It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Richard Stamen at Mavsdraft on Twitter to discuss the NBA Combine, what should you be watching for? Why is it important? And what are the key things to see? Plus, we're going to discuss Nick Smith and Anthony Black and Zach Eady and Kobe Bufkin. So it's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about today on Locked on Thunder. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. I'm joined today by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to discuss the NBA draft, including the NBA Combine, which is just around the corner. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, besides me coughing, uh, choking on my own spit right before I even have to start, I'm doing all right. <laughs> hey, I had a bad uh, cold open with my voice. You had you had a bad first start. We're, we're on the same page here uh, uh, to get going. But Richard, you're going to be at the Combine. You're going to have a lot of fun there. How valuable of a tool is the NBA Draft Combine? Because I think that it's kind of a, a, a mystery to some casual fans. Like they hear these buzzwords of like, oh, Jalen Williams, you know, the Santa Clara one, jumped up at the combine and became a lottery pick. Like, how does that kind of happen? What What is so valuable about the combine? Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, for starters, you get the official measurements, right? It's nice to always say, oh, this guy has a 7-1 wingspan. In reality, it turns out to be like it's 6'10 or it's 7'3. You know, it can go either way. And it really just, it puts numbers to some of these narratives of, oh, this guy's lanky, he's got long arms. I mean, Terquavion Smith, I think, is a, is a prime example. Everybody thought he kind of had long arms. And then last year he measures at the combine with just plus three. People thought he had like a six, eight, six, nine wingspan. He had six, six. So things like that, it hurts their stock or it helps their stock. And then on top of that, it's where not only all the GMs, every GM is in the room for the first time of the year. Every GM is in the same spot for three days and they're at the lottery, honestly, even more than three days, but the core three days of the combine, they're there. So a lot of rumors get formed, things like that. You know, the big dogs are talking to the other big dogs and, you know, it falls down the tree and things are like, hey, heard somebody likes this player. And then lo and behold, more and more people get on board. So narratives get created. And then also the scrimmages. 
I mean, we've seen guys like Donovan Mitchell in the past uh, play in the scrimmage, play very lightly, play very well, and he's out. And that's also and the last thing is where, you know, that's where guys get promises. Uh, one main example that always comes to mind is Chandler Hutchinson back in the day, who was now already retired. And I say back in the day, this is 2018. Um, he had he had come to the combine as a second round late first guy, ends the combine like one day in and he gets a promise and he's left Chicago. So things like that. All of that is really the reason why the combine matters so much. And typically throughout the combine, you're going to see a report sources Thunder have promised so-and-so uh, because the Thunder do typically uh, get thrown into these promises. Last year, they they promised Caleb Houston, uh, and of course, Caleb Houston did not become a member of the Thunder at all uh, in, in the draft. So like the promises are more speculative because, as you mentioned, if a player does you know, kind of retreat from the combine, we assume, hey, they, they've got their answer that they're looking for. And when you get the answer that you're looking for, you stop asking questions. And so they pull out of the combine. And then we just kind of assign who the promise could be. And typically it falls back on the Thunder because they've been known to make promises in the past. So when you see, hey, the Thunder promised this guy next week or in two weeks at the combine, remember that like we do this every year. And last year the promise was Caleb Houston and he was, you know, he wasn't on, on, on the Thunder uh, when it was all said and done. So, uh, that, that's an important note for the combine. If you're watching at home because you're a basketball junkie and, and you're following along on Twitter, you're watching the NBA TV ESPN broadcasts of the combine. What what are some of the most important aspects of it? Cause like, I think that, I think that it kind of can get overwhelming of like, Oh, here's this stat. Here's that stat. Here's this measurement. Here's that measurement. What are the key ones that you're looking for at the combine to, that actually mean something most of the time? Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't. I I personally take a lot of the combine with a grain of salt in terms of the the scrimmages. I don't think there's a lot there. The only people who I think you can make sweeping assumptions for, say Grant Nelson gets a G League invite and then he graduates from that to the combine. He's somebody who he, we didn't get to see him play against great competition. Those kind of guys where it's like, all right, what can you do against SEC just Power Five guys? I think that's where it matters for the scrimmages. That's really the only thing I would say. If you're just watching for, I don't know like the some random ACC player, right, going against Pac-12 guys. You kind of saw that this year. I mean, the ACC wasn't terrible. Like, I, I don't think there's a lot you can take away. It doesn't trump the film personally for me, and that's where I'm like, it doesn't mean that much. For me, I look at the wingspan. I go to the NBA.com. They updated, I think, on the Wednesday, so the second day of the combine. They'll update their wingspan. It's the Anthro page, wingspan, length, uh, excuse me, standing reach, and that height in shoes because – a lot of times the basketball reference numbers are very off and that gives a very real clarity. Now it's not always perfect. Some of the measurements are wrong. You know, it's also vertical jump in the athletic testing. Some of that gets more wrong than others. Pat Connaughton very famously had a quote unquote 45 inch vertical. Uh, he does not have a 45 inch vertical. That stuff can get measured very, can get skewed. But I would say just looking at those numbers, those measurements are really what I, what I value when I'm, thinking of the combine i'm excited follow at mavs draft on twitter to talk all about the combine you're going to be in chicago for the combine and that'll be a lot of fun uh, you released your your latest big board as well last week which is perfectly uh time to lead into to our questions about draft prospects i want to start with nick smith where just where are you at on nick smith as a prospect what are his strengths and weaknesses like what do you see in nick smith's game overall 
Yeah, I'm pretty low on him. I think he's he's an intelligent player. You can see it when he cuts uh, and moves off ball. I think he's pretty smart. Um, I, I think he's got a good jump shot, even though the percentages kind of underwhelmed. I think some of that's I think the injuries deflate his percentages. Uh, but beyond the shooting and really creating his own shot and, and the creation on his own shot isn't even that advanced. I think there's a lot not to like. He's stiff defensively. Um, he really forces a lot of bad shots, which worries me. Uh, not much playmaking. I, I don't think he can run a pick and roll at all right now. Uh, if you go back and watch Arkansas at Tennessee, it was evident. Uh, he just, every time he went to a pick and roll, he didn't even let the screener. And now granted, Arkansas's bigs were rough. So I, I hear it. But like, if you can't even let your guy get a screen set and you're already trying to run the pick and roll and it's consistently, uh, excuse me for knocking my camera, but I, I mean, you can't, that's hard for me as a guard. You have to be able to run the pick and roll. Even if you're an off ball guard, he's not big enough to be a true off ball guard. He's only six, four, six, five, maybe six, six if we're feeling very generous. So I think he's personally fallen to the twenties. That archetype doesn't move the needle for me. Now, what about his Arkansas brethren, Anthony Black? Where do you fall on him? Yeah, I like Anthony Black a little bit more. There's still some worries for me on that. Um, his jump shot is just not that smooth. It's a very much a push shot that he doesn't get the consistent momentum every single shot. It's also a little bit slow. Uh, and also, he's just passive in a lot of ways. I think he, as he adds strength, he also has to adjust his mentality and say, all right, I can bulldoze through these guys because very rarely did he try and like just bully his way through traffic, even though he's six seven. So I, I want to see that get better, but it's kind of the opposite issues, right? I mean, like for him, Anthony, uh, Anthony Black's passiveness is the opposite to Nick Smith's overconfidence in some of his shots. But I think where Anthony Black really separates himself being six seven is that he can run a pick and roll. He has the defensive tools. He has a good motor. He's always trying. He's a good athlete. It's just really about putting those tools into use. He's very much for me right now, somebody who has theoretical tools more than actually functional tools in game. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're muted. You have Anthony Black at 12, thank you, and Nick Smith all the way down at 26. Um, was the Arkansas group, would you consider it disappointing that, 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 that this is kind of where it shakes out at this point? I mean, overall, absolutely. I mean, I think they won, what, one tournament game? And they were a team that should have been the best. For, like, they should have had them or Duke, uh, and I would say both underperformed, really, but both should have been the best two freshman teams and not even – neither of them made it to the Sweet 16. And then in terms of draft prospects – I don't think they were all maximized. I think they almost had too many cooks in the kitchen at times. Um, you know, it doesn't help that Arkansas had other chuckers at times where they would just be, hey, we got we to gotta jack this shot up. I mean, they had some very shoot first players and it was a lot of mouths to feed. So I think that's kind of where Arkansas, there is context there. I still think the red flags can exist while shining a light on the context with those players, if that makes sense. Coming up, let's talk more about draft prospects, including everyone's favorite, Zach Eady. Like, well, what is the deal 
with Zach Eady on today's show, which is uh, brought to you by eBay Motors because we know a championship team is built with the perfect fit. Same with your vehicles. So for parts that fit, head on over to eBay Motors and check for the green light to stay with eBay Motors guaranteed. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Motors fit is there for you. It's also brought to you by BetterHelp because we know that finding yourself is a lifelong journey and, and you are going to you know, need some help along the way. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed for your convenience. It's flexible and suited um, for you. And, and that way you can you know, use it around your schedule. You just fill out this brief questionnaire and then, and then match with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you don't like the match that you've that you've been given at no additional charge. So find the balance with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash locked in NBA today for a 10% off first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked in NBA for 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp. So give BetterHelp a try so that way you can get on to uh, a, a better you uh, and make sure that you check it out today at BetterHelp. We're back. On the Locked On Thunder podcast, we're talking with Richard Saman at Mass Draft on Twitter about the NBA draft. Tomorrow, we're going to have a Cam Whitmore player profile and projection. Friday, we're going to have a Taylor Hendricks player profile and prediction. And then we'll be back on Monday for a Mailbag Monday and redo this all next week. Make sure you check out our episode with Howard Beck yesterday. If you missed it, it was a lot of fun to get the national perspective on what people think about the Thunder. Richard, let's jump into the second round for a moment because I want to get back to Kobe in a second. Zach Eady. What's the deal? Okay. So like there, there's going to be a ton of people uh, typically in, 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 in a more advanced demographic uh, that, that will be saying, why can't Zach Eady be a first round pick? Why can't he be a top pick? Why can't he be a good player in the NBA? He's obviously not going to be a first round pick, but is there, is there anything that we're missing whenever people just dismiss him entirely from, from being an NBA player? Like, does he have a shot to be a good NBA player? I think so. I mean, look, Taco Fall got three, three years of chances in the NBA. It might've even been four actually. And that to me just says like, he wasn't that good. He was six, seven, six, Zach, 87, four. If you can cut two inches, you're still getting a great, you know, a super tall player. But the difference is, is the production just popped off the charts. 22 points, 13 rebounds. He had an assist in a half a game, two blocks, um, 61% shooting and 73% from the line. Now I will say uh, there are two things I think that people worry about. He's got to be able to shoot. I personally think that a jump shot even to 15, 20 feet would do plenty. And it seems like that'll work because he's shooting 73% at the line that's really impressive for a big man of any size especially at seven four but the thing that really he has to improve 2.1 blocks a game just isn't enough when you're seven four and his whole defense was sit in the paint they rarely let him get on an island you got to be getting more blocks so i think there is some questions about how truly translatable his defense is and that's where the question mark comes in. I think he absolutely can make the NBA because he's got soft touch at the rim. Like just all the ways you want a big man to score in today's uh, NBA for non-shooters, he does. But is it enough to outweigh potential defensive concerns? I don't know. I, I think that you're right. He's going to get a shot, especially in summer league. But uh, I, I'm not sure that he's going to be ever a serviceable NBA player. I think that he can be someone that can maybe – uh, come in and give you a change of pace for like a quick stretch of, of a game just to throw things off. Uh, but I, I don't know if he can be much more than that, but it's, he's an interesting um, case study uh, moving forward. Now, 
Kobe Bufkin from Michigan. I think I'm saying that right. What what would you say his range is in this draft? Because I think that it's changed a little bit over the last few weeks. And then again, just kind of your your synopsis on him of like what he does really well and what he needs to improve on. Like where would he fit in terms of like ideal position, ideal style of play? Yeah, he's somebody who I've had him in the high teens pretty much for the last month and a half, two months, uh, because he was hiding in plain sight. When you watch Michigan, you're watching uh, Jet Howard take a lot of shots. Hunter Dickinson has the ball a lot, but kind of quietly snuck in there was Kobe Bufkin, who had just a really good year. Um, he improved a ton as a sophomore. It was his first year running point guard, uh, really almost ever. I don't even think he did it much in high school. But, you know, 14 points a game, four and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal a game. He has quick hands, very active on defense, has a high motor. Um, I think just with the shooting upside, 85% from the line, 35% from three this year, a new point guard, great feel for the game, high motor. He's going to play defense. He's going to be able to connect to the dots on offense. I think he's somebody who is seen as an immediate connecting piece and outweighs his normal like rookies don't contribute much to winning he will and i think for that reason he's going to go anywhere from 11 to 18 is the range i wrote i mean i think i think any winning team that's a that's a solid group of teams that are like lower seeded or will play in teams right all of those teams could use kobe buffkin no matter what their guard depth so how would he fit on the thunder yeah, I mean, that's a it's a great question. I think he's going to have to be able to brush up his point guard skills to be able to do that. But you look at somebody who can play both guard slots, probably is insurance for Oklahoma City more than an actual uh, new rotation signing piece. And that's kind of where it gets hard, right? I mean, with all the guards in Oklahoma City, I actually think that's one of the worst landing spots for him. But he could still be an off-ball 3 and D guy. I mean, that's probably what he'd get relegated to in Oklahoma City, which still undercuts a lot of his abilities. And then I want to ask about Drake Whitehead. Like, Whitehead was someone who I, I was very high on coming into college. We know he had those injuries. Like, where? how much did, did this college year impact you on Drake Whitehead, and what do you still think he can, he can grow into in the NBA? Yeah, I'm still very high on Whitehead's upside. He's a guy where if you're going to gamble on low production and decent efficiency, like it's him. He only averaged eight points a game, but, uh, you know, he had 43% from three, 79% from the line. Those are where the numbers you want to see them be uh, for a high shooting upside guy. With me, look, the injury, he had multiple foot injuries this year and Duke just, I, I think from the get-go, they're kind of hand in hand, right? I don't think Dariq White had really ever got a chance to mesh with that Duke team. And for me, that's where I think that low production comes into play. I think a lot of it is context. It's not an, an indictment on him. He's got a very good motor. He plays hard. He's got athletic tools that are still very clearly there. I don't think he played ever at 100% this year. Uh, so I think there's a lot of hidden upside. Plus, he put on some weight. He'll have to lose some of that back. Uh, I think there's just a lot of upside with him. The defense, I fully believe, could get there. He's still raw in terms of learning the game on that end, but the physical tools project well. And then also, if he can become a better finisher, which I also think is related to that uh, the weight gain he had, where I think he could, if he loses weight, he'll be a little bit slimmer, more athletic, and I think that's going to help him more easily get open looks at the rim. So I like him a lot. 
think the jump shots there, you're looking at a potential two-way, three-level score, which, let's be real, that's what the star mold in the league is. Circling back to Michigan, the Thunder looking for, you know, these, these positionless playmakers that can do a lot of different things on the floor. Does Jet Howard fit that mold, and, and, and how would he slide into, like, a Thunder organization that looks for that kind of stuff? Yeah, he, he's just a shooter right now. Um, I, I had a conversation recently with somebody and we were talking about him and, you know, it's, he's not going to do much outside of shooting. Like his impact is that he's not a great athlete um, to really get great defensive plays. He doesn't try on defense at Michigan and he doesn't get to the rim or finish super well there. So almost all of his upside comes as a shooter. You're looking at somebody like, uh, for me, I see him as a taller buddy healed. And you take that how you want. Like one on one hand, and I know I'm talking to a large Oklahoma fan base probably. On one hand, you you get somebody who can shoot the lights out. That's great on high volume, be efficient. But on the other hand, you got to understand what comes with that. He's bad on defense, buddy healed, and he doesn't finish at the rim. And that exact sentiment can be said about Jed Howard. What scares me with him though is we just don't know what his coachability truly is like. At Michigan, he got a super long leash because his dad, Jawan Howard, was the coach. So we don't know how coachable he actually is because he was able to get free reign as at best the third or fourth best. Like I'd probably say the third best player on the team. That's not going to fly in the NBA. Like he's a bench shooter. I think with Oklahoma city, they already have Isaiah Joe seems a little bit overlapping there. And, and honestly, I'm sorry to end this rant, uh, this long rant, but honestly, I think Isaiah Joe, his jump shot is much better. And he already has a, like right now, I'd probably take him at the moment for Oklahoma City. Well, and, and Isaiah Joe really competes defensively and like and like performs well defensively despite his size. I think that that's a, a big deal in, in Isaiah Joe's feather in his cap, so to say. Now with Chet Howard, is the defense just something that he just has not even tried to do, as you mentioned? Does he have the frame to where if he did try to play defense, he could do it? Or, or even if he tried, is he, is he still going to be deficient at defense? Yeah, it's a little bit both. He didn't try very hard on defense, and when he did try, he was beat. He just didn't know how to be at the certain spots. Like, he's so raw at basketball. Like, he's got to improve those areas. So I, I think that we have that we have seen that Sam Presti will take his guy at any spot in the draft, no matter what the consensus big boards or mock drafts or anything says. Sitting here before the combine, is there any player who's currently, like, in the 20s that – you think could fit the Thunder perfectly, but they're at 12, so they can't really take him without trading back. But it's Sam Presti, so he might just take him at 12 just because it's his guy. Like, is there anyone from like a Linder Miller to a Noah Clownley uh, to, to, to any, anyone else that you think uh, could fit the Thunder perfectly that are currently right now not slotted for 12? Yeah, I mean, dude, I think you you nailed it with one of them. I was going to say Noah Clowney fits that bill absolutely perfectly. His feel for the game is phenomenal. Um, he's somebody who his jump shot is going to grow. His defense is there. He as he adds strength, I think he's only going to get better. Another guy I could see, um, and you said Leonard Miller. This is actually these guys are all consecutive on my board. I've known Clowney, Leonard Miller, and then Bilal Kulabali, who I know you took in our community mock draft. Um, I think I think he could be a real riser as the season in France continues to wind down. Playing next to Victor Wembanyama, I, I really think he could be a great fit in Oklahoma City. And he and Presti might just say, "Screw it, here he is at 12. Coming up, let's talk about the Tankathon spins as we discussed the lottery getting closer and how it would impact OKC and others. And I want to ask you a, a big question about Leonard Miller and does, if he fits the description of another Thunder player from the past.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're talking with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter about the NBA draft. So, Leonard Miller. I really like Leonard Miller. And I, and I will leave this person anonymous because I'm going to let them talk about Leonard Miller on their own podcast. But I was discussing how I like Leonard Miller a lot. And uh, the comparison of Darius Baisley was brought up. And you know I was big on Darius Baisley. So is there a little Darius Baisley in Leonard Miller? Uh, uh, yes and no in terms of the rawness maybe. I think, I think his true upside is someone like Josh Smith. I, if, if you remember the Atlanta Hawks legend, I mean, he was one of the most – if you ever played 2K, I mean, he was a god on that game. But that's not why I chose him because of 2K. But I think uh, just looking at – he does so much, right? Josh Smith was an all-defensive guy. Leonard Miller absolutely has the potential to be there. Similarly sized, uh, very athletic in getting to the rim. Josh Smith didn't have the most advanced handle, but he still was able to get there. Same thing happens for Leonard Miller. I do think Leonard Miller actually needs the handle a little bit more than Josh did because Josh is just more athletic. But the jump shot is never consistent for Josh Smith. The biggest difference is that Leonard Miller is not going to have his foot on the line as much as Josh Smith. But other than that, I feel like that's like his big, uh, his big one-to-one. I'm trying to find a Josh Howard in this draft, but uh, let's go to Tankathon, Richard. <laughs> what what team that that I'm I'm going to say realistically, just being like good enough percentage where it's not insane. Like the Thunder leaping up for Victor would be incredible. They only have a 1% chance of doing that though. What team at the bottom that has a big enough chance to get Victor, what team changes the landscape of basketball if they land Victor um, in this lottery? Obviously it changes everyone's franchise, but in the immediate future, you put him on this team and they can make a Thunder-like jump where they go from 20 wins to 40 wins and and they're in the postseason and then they just continue to build from there. Man, there's two teams that come to mind, um, but they don't qualify as like, you know, the 20 because this year was weird. I would say there's two teams I really like in this, which are Portland and Indiana. I think Portland's a cheat code of an answer because they already have vets and they just tanked for two years. I think I think Indiana, though, with Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, you move Miles Turner, you're going to get somebody good in return. There's some scary, scary upside with Halliburton and Wembenyama together. So our Tankathon spin of the week netted us a wild, wild finish. Washington jumps up to one. So the new GM in Washington gets Victor. And what a pairing that would be. Do you think that they would jump into the postseason with Bradley and, and Victor? And, or, or would you trade Bradley Beal and just work around Victor and kind of slow play a little bit in terms of wins? I think for the first year or two, you try and make it work. But after that, if it's not if nothing's changed, I would say just, just throw in the towel and let, uh, let Victor run the show and you can get a lot for Beal still. I mean, he's going to command multiple first round picks. And then Houston at two, San Antonio at three, Orlando jumped to four. Detroit slides all the way down to five, Charlotte (laughs) at six, Portland at seven, Indiana at eight, 
uh, Utah at nine, Dallas at ten, and Chicago going to U- uh, going to Orlando at eleven, and OKC at twelve. In this scenario, could the Thunder get from say twelve to eight by just saying, "Hey, look, Indiana, you know you're probably not going to be able to get your guy that you wanted at eight at twelve. You know, probably not, but I can give you a little bit." a little bit of incentive to, to do this by, by trading you, you know, a future pick and you can kind of uh, build up your cupboard that way. And, you know, the, maybe, maybe that can be appearing. Like, is there any like trade partners that immediately jump out to you in this scenario? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Honestly. I mean, everybody kind of moving down maybe, but Indiana, I think wants a top 10 pick. That's where it makes it hard. Maybe Utah, you could, you can talk yourself into, but they also have multiple picks where it's like, do they need, they can wait a few extra picks probably. Yeah. That's, that's where it gets hard to trade up in the, in the sense of trying to deliver people, the guy that they want anyway, which is how trades typically work on draft night. And then, you know, the, the different tiers that you're going to fall into because like Portland, Portland very well, very well might want to entertain trade offers, but they're, but they're not going to do it for a package of future first round picks. They're going to do it for a, a high impact player right now. And the Thunder aren't going to part with a high-impact player right now. So it's going to be hard to get seven. Uh, Indiana, we mentioned they want a top-10 pick. Utah has a luxury of having nine and thirteen, you know, nine and sixteen in this in this spin. Uh, Dallas, again, with why would they want to trade back two spots whenever it's just for a future asset? Maybe they would for for the fact if it can kind of kind of rebuild some of that draft currency that they lost uh, over these last few trades. But like maybe Dallas, and then that's only moving you up. Uh, from 12 to, to 10 there's no point to go 12 to 11 so like it, it, it's hard to find a a partner in this specific spin yeah i mean that, this is like a doomsday for oklahoma city in that regard hopefully it's not a doomsday on actual lottery night richard thank you so much for joining us uh, i i hope that you have a wonderful time at the NBA draft combine. And I, and I hope that, uh, you know, you come back with a lot of different tidbits and everything draft workouts are beginning. So uh, keep an eye out for at Mavs draft. He always scoops out the, the uh, private workouts for, for different NBA teams, including the thunder. So I uh, keep an eye out there as well. Uh, and, and it's going to start rolling in now. It's, it's, it's already getting to be rumor season uh, here in, a, in the next week or two, the rumors are going to be hot and heavy. And of course, listen to uh, NBA big boy, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.